0: This podcast
1: is over at WildGamesDirections.com and DetroitRadio.com. This podcast is I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game.
2: Between the time when gamers play with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast... There was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of, and onto the Sky gas destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow, it was given to teach us all how to roam for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready!
3: Welcome to the podcast volume three issue number 124 i think i've got it right this time i am dm vince uh sitting next to uh dm nick hi and a returning dm matt with a bunch of con crud
2: yes uh good gen con was great and i yeah yeah feeling a little rough a week later
3: uh, in case you're tuning in for the first time, this is the only podcast that has uh, will give you your advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition information. Yeah, if you're not to the definitive answer. We'll give you our opinions and our opinions only, and you can take them however you want to use them.
2: You mean it's hope- not written stone, and you must do exactly as we say? No, it's not. Oh no! Wow. We hope
3: listening. If you're not a first edition fan, you could be a later edition fan. You just want to mine for ideas. That's perfect to do this for. That's what this whole podcast is about. To explore and create and love and have fun and smoke po- oh, sorry. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was fell back to-
0: <laughs> And so- if you don't like it, tough cookies. Yeah,
3: damn it. So anyway, uh let's uh we heard from Nick, we heard from my blabbering mouth enough. But Matt, tell us a little bit about Gen Con.
2: Oh, Gen Con was uh fun times. It the city was packed. Gen Con had forty nine thousand gamers this year. Up.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And also Wins Friday and Saturday the MotoGP going on, so it had a bunch of bikers as well. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, it was fun. Um gaming wise, I really I played a few hero clicks games, but nothing too major. Um like Friday night uh met up. Ends up my entire uh, gaming group from home. Was happening happened to be staying at the ho- same hotel, so I went and pl- we played uh, some games in their room. We played the uh, new Star Trek Attack Wing. Oh, how was that? Uh, it's good. Very similar to the uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. So, mm-hmm. uh, assuming the uh, points are balanced, similar, I have no, I see no reason why you couldn't just combine the two and use ships from one to the other once you. Uh, got used to some terminology differences it's basically the same game they just change some symbols and change the names of like the stats but mechanic wise they're the same um then i also played uh this like firefighting game where you're uh, it's like a you have a board with like a room in it with, or with uh like a house and different parts of the house are on fire and it's a cooperative game and you have your you are each a different firefighter with a different role and you have to go in and like save the people and put out the fire before the building collapses. And that oh. was actually really fun.
3: Yeah, it sounds cool.
2: And I totally forget what the name of it is, but it's made by the same company that makes the game Resistance, where mm-hmm. you are basically trying to uh, call out... You're a team of Resistance fighters, but depending on how many people are playing, like one to three are traitors. And so you have to pick teams to go out on various missions, but you don't know who the traders are. And depending on how many missions succeed or fail, as a cat in the background knocks things over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but as uh, you send out the teams on missions, and as uh, depending on if a trader's on the mission or not, determines whether it'll pass or fail. So it's kind of a lot of sitting around saying, you're a spy, no, you're a spy. Burn them, they're a spy type thing. So it's it's oh, amusing,
0: cool. Almost like paranoia. Yeah, paranoia. Though. Yeah,
2: it's like if you've ever played the new Battlestar Galactica game, it you, we we refer to it as Battlestar Galactica Light because in that game it's like a board game and you have a task to complete at the same time two of the players are Cylons.
4: Oh. jeez. Oh.
2: So you and no one knows who the Cylons are other than the Cylons. So it it has a similar feel to that.
3: But more importantly, what loot did you walk out with?
2: Uh I this is a Gen Con. I intentionally went in going on the cheap. I'm like, I'm not going to use any credit cards. Just whatever cash I have is what I'm spending. Oh, I tried to. So be, you
0: didn't eat the whole time, basically?
2: No, I I actually, uh, <laughs> uh as well Saturday night drink maybe. But uh, as for there, I bought. They were selling copies of that. AEG was selling copies of the Ultimate Toolbox. That oh, book of oh. random uh tables for five dollars, really, yeah, so I bought that
3: yeah that's a good even even people don't like it because for the d twenty system it's still
2: good right i mean and everything in its system is gnostic really i yeah. there's nothing in it that's like heavy d twenty so for five dollars I'm like sold uh a e g also had uh the war of honor it's like L5R the card uh, the CCG but they made it into like a standalone game so it's hmm. so uh-huh. it, that was like $5 and if you went by sheer weight alone the box was like ridiculously heavy so I'm like for 5 bucks it'll be amusing and then I bought uh Trip Master or something it's basically like a dungeon crawl game where you're a party of a, each character each player in the game represents like a party of adventurers going into it, like a dungeon. And you're basically, you go in, uh, kill the monsters, loot the room. And whoever gains the most experience points through the killing and looting process wins. Gotcha. So, and that was really all of my purchases. And the, because uh, those were, I think for all of that, I spent like $25. I mean, so.
3: oh, wow! you really did do a cheap Gen Con. Yeah,
2: yeah. and then I p- spent maybe sixty dollars to play in HeroClix games. Okay,
3: it- so more importantly, what about D
2: and D? Did you get the new book or? Um, I picked up two copies for other people, and I should. Yeah, was
0: say any word on D and D next there?
2: Um, I didn't make a t the the uh, D and D party where they were announcing stuff. Was actually like a ticketed event and sold out. It was like twenty bucks, but it included like food, drinks, and. Like, it was a big soiree where you got to mingle with people. Um, <laughs> so, so I really didn't get to that. But they did have that convention exclusive book. And I picked up two copies of that for people. And I thumbed through it briefly. And it and it had, like, four adventures in it. And it also had just, like, a, a monstrous compendium in it, too. So you had all your monster stats. Even for monsters that weren't necessarily in the adventures included.
3: I should have told you to uh, stop by AE.G and get the uh, Legend of the Five Rings uh, RPG exclusive module they had.: Oh, I'm totally about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because I was just going around just looking at everything, it's like, for whatever reason, this year, just nothing really sparked my interest. I just like I wasn't like, maybe because I went in with the mindset of I'm not going to spend a lot of money, I had mentally prepared myself to not be interested in like really anything. So, but I still, it was still a fun time. Um, Good. Yes. And uh, Saturday night, I went out with some friends. We hit the Gen Con dance or nerd prom as my, one of my friend's wives calls it. And then we went to a uh, dance club uh, in downtown Indy and uh, I was drinking free the entire night and we found ourselves at Steak and Shake at four in the morning when I had to, when I had to wake up at like eight in the morning Uh, to check out. convention. Just yeah. A, 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 a. Yeah, so and then uh, Wednesday night consisted of going to Kilroy's, uh, where drinks were half off all of them. All of yeah. the drinks, so that's
3: so, for most of, isn't that where most of the uh the alehouse hangs out?
2: Uh I think so. Uh, the bar was packed this year, just with yeah. a mixture of Gen Con attendees and just like normal human beings. So, <laughs> so. But yeah, it it's it was definitely fun. I'm glad I went for like all five days, even if yeah, that final day driving home from Indy, mm-hmm. the two hour drive, I'm like I oh. am so exhausted and it's only four in the afternoon. <laughs> and I proceed to come home and sleep for like fifteen hours straight.
3: I wouldn't, okay.
2: And and then come Mondays when like, oh no, it's concrud. Yep. Yep, and... It
3: didn't and look like you didn't have any editing duties to do, because I, I decided to throw the show up and break the internet.
2: <laughs> yes, I totally appreciated that, because, yeah, it probably wouldn't have gotten up in any sort of timely manner.
3: Yeah, so we had the uh, show with uh, Jason from Gygax Magazine along with uh, Luke Gygax, and that was a fun show. Yeah, I
2: listened to that, and it was fun.
0: And if you haven't listened to it out there, it's right up there on our, on our- on the RFI
2: website. Right, yeah. Yes, and you can get it now because the internet is fixed. We fixed yes, it, so it's okay.
0: we unbroke the fixed internet.
2: <laughs> yes, and uh,
3: you didn't attend, but uh, I did attend the Any Awards through via internet. <laughs> yes. I would, and
0: congratulations to yes. you, sir.
3: Yes, I did walk away with the Gold Any Award thanking everybody out there from the OSR, Gamer Nation, and voted for the product, and uh, I walked away with the gold, so I, I have that award now.
2: Yay. You, awesome. do you have the nice little certificate in metal yet uh
3: the as of right of this recording uh when this goes out, I'll have it as of the actual recording. No, I don't have it.
2: okay when this
3: goes out, yes, I'll have it.
2: okay, yes, so you'll have to run around everywhere with your little metal now, like going hard it's like, with the slammies.
3: plaque, isn't it? It used to be a glass plaque that's engraved
2: and uh a metal I've seen people with medals too, yeah, so you get both. Okay, so you have your plaque and your medal. Yeah, awesome. The, plaque,
3: the, the medal is just is the either the gold or silver, and it says the year. Okay, and the plaque is uh, the glass etch plaque says whatever the award was and the name of the game and the year. Sweet. So I guess I could slap a big gold star on my uh, Mazes and Perils now.
2: Right. Yep. 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 Any award winning. That's right. Yep. So anyway, yep. uh, let's uh,
3: – Nick, why don't we jump over to some stars?
0: Sure. So um, just let you know we uh, our starred reviews on iTunes. Just to remind everybody, you can head over there to iTunes through the iTunes store, type in Roll for Initiative, search for us through there, and you go to ratings, reviews, and you can uh, rate us. And whenever you can, we'll read off some reviews. And we have one new review from ICERN. And ICERN says, where else can you spend an hour ruminating about gamism versus theaterism? (laughs) It gives us five stars. He or she gives us five stars. I mean, this is really deep stuff. I love the approach these guys have both to old school gaming and to just plain having fun with friends. Mind opening. Imagination fueling. Rules light, but not chaotic. Thanks for staying at my favorite pastime since 1980 oh and that was from icern well thank you icern for that new review we really appreciate it
4: and
3: you too can write a review that nick will read
0: absolutely
3: if you go to itunes and follow his instructions
0: yes follow them
3: <laughs> or you can write into us or if I staff at gmail.com or 570-865-4210 the
0: hotline the hotline
3: let's head into sage Advice. Sage Advice. Sage Advice. We
0: we got some Sage Advice.
3: We actually have uh, three emails this week. No. Yeah, you can write us at rfistaff at gmail.com. Or you can go right to the website, rfipodcast.com. There is a contact form. You put in your information. It automatically emails us. So either way you can do it from your own yep. address or there. Or you can go to our farm forums at our oh, I can't speak. OSRGaming.org slash forums. First email comes from DM David D. He says, Hello, esteemed dungeon masters. Who are they? I don't know. I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I recently heard your email, an email question about weapon proficiency. No, I'm kidding. Weapon proficiencies. And DM Mick mentioned his own house rule spin on rangers. This made me think of one of my own frustrations I've run into over the years. The ranger archer, especially the elf or half-elf variety. <clears throat> I like players to get into their characters, but ranger archers seem to get overpowered with strength. Overpowered with strength. Ranger and unauthor counter bow specialty bonuses. For instance, I recently had one such character score a crazy 24 hit points of damage from a single arrow. Six for the arrow, plus one for strength, plus five against giant class for fifth level, plus double damage for point blank range. And they were able to make two bow attacks around. round. I don't mind bending the rules or adding points to monsters so they're not killed too quickly, but it gets frustrating as a DM to other players to have such powerful character that always manages to avoid hand-to-hand combat and most of the damage outside of always forcing course quarter combat or just having the bow bring the bow break. You have any advice on how to limit this power. Also, why do Rangers get bonuses against giant classes anyway? What is the scoring to this skill? Well, as always, I appreciate your advice, Nick. Hmm. You mentioned you, so we'll go to you first.
0: Well, one thing I don't use the class of the Ranger Archer in mine, <laughs> so yeah. that doesn't come up at all. Uh, Now, as far as you know, as far as limiting it with the bow, I, well I th- if I remember correctly, on Earth or Canada, you can only specialize. You, can, you can't double specialize in the bow. And so I, oh. that's coming off the top of my head. I don't think you could double specialize with a bow.
3: No, it's only for melee weapons. I thought.
0: Yeah, just for melee weapons. You could specialize, but you can't go beyond specialization with a bow. Can't double specialize or become master.
3: Well, the reason why he scored so many hit points was probably was also because of the giant class,
0: right? Yeah, and as far as the giant class thing, uh, I'm I'm only taking a guess from my my cloudy knowledge here. I know that had origination in the uh, little brown books of original D anD D, where they got the idea of that. The ranger class really came from, you know, you know, uh, from Strider in Lord of the Rings, and i guess you could kind of make an extrapolation from that because he was encountering certain types of creatures that were large maybe that would be it i'm just taking a stab at it and but um i don't know how they came up with that list i mean the list is kind of weird i mean kobolds Kobolds are not giant class creatures, so I don't know why they're even on that list, to be, to be honest.
3: You gotta do a lot of house ruling on that list.
0: Yeah, I mean, kobolds, varts, um, and a few other things they are like, these aren't even four feet tall. Why are they giant class? So, you know what? that was, I think, again, that I remember that list. I remember seeing that list in original D&D, and kobolds were on the original list for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, that was a holdover from then. I don't think it ever got caught. So,
3: Well, other ways to have your ranger not always have the advantage of using a bow. Well, just think combat's not always going to be everybody standing in front of each other in a perfect line. I mean, there's going to be trees in the way. There's going to be right. Yeah, There's going to be your party surrounding somebody. Maybe the, the giant class creature is crouching, or maybe he has... Uh, something, a shield in front of them, you know, there's always options to do something.
2: Right. Weather. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's raining or if there's a heavy wind, it's going to be harder to hit. Yeah. Or if just throwing some, if there's like a reoccurring theme and they keep uh, killing uh, giants of a certain tribe or something, maybe the giants figure this out and acquire some sort of uh, magic item that gives them a bonus against arrows. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if there's a magic user, they see the arrow volley and, oh, I need a deflection. There's ways to handle just uh, arrow combat. Yeah, and one of the ways is uh, it's somewhere in the DMG. Once
0: you get engaged in melee, and if you have a pers- a player character using a missile weapon, there is a chance he's going to hit allies. Right. So that is another way of discouraging... Uh, a a person who's playing, you know, the uh, a ranger, an, an archer ranger, and he's he thinks he's just going to pelt everybody from a distance with his with his arrows. Uh, it's not going to happen all the time. He's going to have to engage in melee eventually.
3: Well, uh, you know, there's a ranger archer. Why can't there be a kobold archer? Right?
0: Exactly. Tucker's kobolds.
3: <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, DM David D. Next one comes from uh, Juan. Greetings from Uruguay. Uruguay. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think so.
0: Uruguay, yes.
2: Yeah,
3: Thank you. I love your show from day one, and I've been catching up since the iTunes indexing incident. What the
2: heck? Now it's an incident.
3: I didn't know we had an incident of our own.
2: Yeah, Yeah, we switched feeds, and you had to unsubscribe and resubscribe to get the stuff.
3: Uh,
0: Now it's an incident.
3: I didn't realize we're calling it an indexing incident. Sorry, guys. We had to do what we had to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have Blackstone back. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Really enjoyed the anomalous... Uh,
0: sub- Subsurface environment. Seriously.
3: That's a mouthful, dude.
0: ASC. Yeah. The ASC.
3: It surely sounds refreshing. I've been reading Numera. Numera. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. yeah. The from Bonnie Cook. What was that? Uh, Numerera, I think. Numerera. Okay, sorry. It looks cool, the game. I just haven't I just had a chance to read it. And these future science fiction games really intrigue me. It reminds me that I have to go read more Jack Vance stories. Keep up the good work, Juan. Thanks, Juan.
0: Thanks, Juan. From Uruguay.
3: Yeah. And this last email comes in from Alan from Scotland.
0: From Scotland! I
3: I didn't want to go there, but apparently you did. That's
0: That's right, I did.
3: (laughs) as, As Alan just deletes the feed now. (coughs) just wanted to say love in capital letters the show but not nick no i'm kidding i've been listening i've been listening but haven't posted anything for absolutely ages never seem to get around to it and i wanted to say you guys really make a huge difference in my life i really look forward to your regular podcast and along with the two and a half squads you fill my gaming radio needs Thanks. Give the good work. Best wishes, Alan. Two and a half squads.
2: It must be Scottish. Something maybe I don't he's miss. referring to other podcasts well, on the,
3: course, the regular podcast, and along with the two and a half squads,
2: right? Uh, maybe he's referring to uh, Save or die and Thaco's hammer and the crossover. So, hosting. no,
0: I supplied him with two and a half squads of cobalts.
2: Oh, so that's where that's they what, went.
0: That's what that charge was.
3: Well, unless they're referring to one of the podcasts as half a podcast, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Right. No, it was the two and a half squads of Cobalt team needed. He needed to put down some unruly players. So, yeah, that's where they went.
3: Unless you yeah, have critical hits, because they, critical wits, they every once in a while put a show up. Maybe that's half a squad. I don't know. Unless maybe he's talking about the different hosts coming on.
2: Right. Because if you take the number of hosts and on the actual number of shows, there's a little bit of crossover.
3: Yeah, I guess so. Long uh, Well, I'm
2: glad, do- in there.
3: I'm glad he enjoys all the shows, whether it be our show, Vacos Hammer, Save or Die, Critical Wits, Lost Holocron, or the Spellburn podcast, and other future podcasts coming along shortly. And that's our emails for this week.
4: Yay! Yay. I
3: have to uh, say goodnight to everybody for emails. Yay. Yay! And we'll jump right into Table Matters.
4: Typical of all the evil creatures in the
0: world. I like to find one with table manners. And what are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet.
1: Table manners.
0: Okay, here we are in table manners. Got it right. And we are going to be talking about a new, a module from the back of the day with roll aids.
4: Yeah.
0: All the aid supplements that we've covered in the past. And we're going to be talking about an adventure called Deadly Power, and it's is for characters levels four to eight, four to eight characters level six to nine. Excuse me. Yeah. And to uh, join us in our conversation, we do have Laurel and Donald Nicholson and John Keefe, who wrote the adventure, of the Deadly Powers. So welcome on to the show.
4: Hello. Thank nope. you:
3: All right, For those listening after this, this is roll aid Supplement 716
0: Seven sixteen and this came out looks like in 1984, so uh, part of that whole uh, roll aids um, line that was coming out at the time and uh, I don't know maybe uh, I don't know uh, which one of you could kind of give us a background on you know how this module how you guys came up with the idea the concept of this adventure and, and just kind of like uh, lead us in from there
1: well but back in nineteen eighty two there was a mayoral primary for uh- the city of Chicago, and it was to be between uh richie daly uh and jane byrne and obviously you can see that uh Enaj is jane backwards real obvious and uh Yell at his daily backwards. Ah. And Where was that when you said that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we decided to, or Laurie actually wanted to do this. She wanted to write a module that was kind of, going to be kind of a parody on, on the election. And so we decided to do it. I think we started writing it in late 1982 or 1983. And that was the whole premise of it If you know a little about Chicago politics, Jane Byrne became mayor because there was a massive snowfall of winter, and uh, Michael Bolandic, who was the mayor, didn't get it cleaned up very well, so Jane Byrne easily won the next election, and then later on, Richie Daly, the son of um, uh, Richard J. Daly, decided he wanted to come in and be the mayor in his uh, father's footsteps. Mm -hmm. So he'd seek out the magical leaves and smoke them? Yeah, smoke the the (laughs) magic cigar smoke from the back rooms and and hoodwink all the people again.
0: And in doing so, writing the adventure you made, Elad and his son, uh, well, his son part devil, (laughs) and the father... (laughs) I guess was a worshiper dispater.
1: Yes, a full devil.
0: <laughs> yes, a full devil <laughs> who was a worshiper or So dispader. Depending I, on who you talk now to. Now you're in the background, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> 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 that's pretty neat. Now it starts to make sense. All right.
1: But this uh, module, like it says on the cover, all characters are fictitious and they don't resemble anybody. So. Right, right,
0: right. Yes, there's the disclaimer. <laughs> Purely coincidental.
1: <Right>. Purely
0: <laughs> coincidental. Right.
1: And we don't really believe that uh, Richie Daly is a half-devil or <laughs> his father was a full-devil.
0: Of course. <laughs> As we say all things tongue-in-cheek on the show. Right. <laughs> um. But I, it, I thought the premise... Of the of the uh, of the adventure was really interesting. He had this this town, rich mining town near the sea, and there's this king Elad. Elad.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> the leader of this town. Then the whole town is enthralled with him and everything that he does. Yes, because he has this magical charm spell after because of these leaves and seeds that he um smokes that, uh, that help him uh, enamor everybody into thinking he's the most wonderful person in the world. Hmm. Very weird. Okay. Where did you get the idea of the smoking the uh, magical uh, uh, seeds and, and uh, making the charms all out of that?
1: Well, that was always uh, backroom politics in Chicago. They talk about cigar chompers and smoke-filled rooms and all oh, that. Okay. So. So that's where that came from. All right.
4: And also, you know, Daly was a popular mayor back then, or a powerful mayor back then, and pretty much whatever he said went. So it was kind of a combination of the two. Hmm.
0: So uh so uh the king he has a son named Minor, like the minor Daly, I guess. <laughs> the younger. Correct. And he's a half devil. And
3: uh, well, he was was mostly gifted with some of the abilities, not yeah, it's as though not a devil, really. So,
0: yeah, he was gifted with certain abilities. And I guess the king also gets friendship, the loyalty of the town rats, and their were rat leader. So, okay, now who's the were rat leader?
1: (laughs) Oh, I don't think there is anyone. (laughs) Okay, I'm just
0: just checking on that one.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think so. Okay. Although one of the rep where rats was named after one of Laurie's neighbors. <laughs> oh, how nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to put you in a module. Oh, great. What am I going to be uh, a where rat? Oh, th- what? <laughs> I don't
1: cool. think they knew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's also gained, uh, the, I guess the loyalty of the town rats, the where rat leader. And, um, use their caverns they help guard the mines and um but uh king elad has an adversary by the name of lady Inaj, a very highly intelligent illusionist oh really (laughs) (laughs) so now that we understand the background here i'm like now now i can see why she's the illusionist yeah okay and then there she has a sorcerer by the name of Grin Grin-Mare, who's, I guess, one of her, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't know if we want to call a lackey, but I guess her almost like a second-in-command.
3: Um, right. Believer or something.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't remember if he was named after anyone either. It's so long ago, I can't remember most of the politicians' names.
4: So... They- I- Owner of the town, Don was reminding me, was cool. most, of the town. most of the town was Quick Edward, who was also representative of Fast Eddie oh, Oliak, <laughs> who was an alderman, a powerful alderman.
0: Wow, <laughs> I, that's you know, this is just amazing that and. I'm sure only I wonder if anybody even then when they got the adventure even picked up on the, the kind of the inside joke there.
1: Probably not. I don't think so. <laughs>
0: Cuz now it's like wow that is incredible stuff.
1: And TSR said it was kind of a parody, so. Yeah, well there they, you go, I don't man. I don't think they and they were back in Lake Geneva, so that's pretty close to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So I
0: guess the son, he heads off on his 18th birthday, and uh, he kind of disappears.
3: Yeah, takes off to adventure and explore the lands beyond the city to check out, to find things. I don't know what he's just going off on a quest for
1: purposes of plot. Yeah, I think he just wanted to get away from everything.
0: So he leaves. The king has uh, slaves build an, an elaborate complex beneath the town town's mausoleas to protect his magic tobacco leaves. Slaves were killed to protect the secrets. And one of the key elements of this adventure is to, to help his son, if guess, I guess, if he ever comes back, the king has a scroll written which gave clues how to receive the leaves and, and trust the scroll and he trusted the scroll to uh, by, to Greasel who's the um,
3: the rat king. Yeah,
0: you know, the were-rat king.
3: Uh, pretty much, the king wanted to go back to the uh, pretty once wanted to go back home to hell, but he couldn't because uh, he wouldn't let him apparently for whatever reason. And then he prayed and prayed for years to the his demon god or devil god, yep. and then finally he told him, uh, "Well, maybe I'll think about it and consider it if you take your wife and sacrifice her in my name."
0: <laughs> and the king's like, "Okay, sure, uh, sure. <laughs> Why not?
1: Yeah, it was the right thing to do."
0: Yeah, it was the right thing to do at the time, according to the king. So he has his wife. Um,
1: the Lady Cynthia, I think.
0: The Lady Cynthia. Yes.
3: Sacrificed s- in the, sp- the spader's name.
0: His sacrifice in the spader's name. And he's. What well he did, he. grimer Later on. Stole into the king's room as he lay drugged. So, I guess the king gets drugged.
3: Well, he became distraught over not. Over yes. His wife and not having a decision made, so he couldn't sleep. So, I guess he tried some magical potions to help him sleep at night. So, while he was asleep, is when uh, Grinmare snuck into the room and took the opportunity uh, to cast a flesh to stone spell on the king, then decapitate him. He used the scroll to flesh down, which would just pretty much kill him and return him to hell to serve his penance as a (laughs) lemur.
0: For 250 years. Yeah. Yikes.
3: They didn't want him back. No. And as soon as he got killed, all the townsfolk went, huh? Huh? What just happened? (laughs) What's going on here? Realized the town was in ruins and destroyed. And that's when... uh, the nice lady took over the our nice illusionist friend.
0: Yeah, she was real nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, she takes over, but two years after that, there is a message that comes from Grinmare saying that the son of Elad has reappeared and he's try- he's gaining strength and power. So there has to be something done quickly. So. They have a plan to try to – essentially try to stop the sun from gaining any more power.
1: Right. They need uh, somebody to go – you always need somebody to do things for you. And they needed somebody to get the leaves and the the seeds so that the miner couldn't use them.
0: And that's where the adventuring party comes in. (laughs) Right. And – They pretty much –
3: forced almost to either do this or just be
1: thrown out of the town.
0: Pretty much. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's the old fashioned look there. <laughs> you have to do this. But I think it's done in other modules, too. Oh, yeah. This. yeah. I think the Slave Lords did it where you got everything taken from you, and yeah, there was another module, I think, Castle Amber. Mm-hmm. Castle Amber's like that. The, slave Lords, yeah. definitely.
2: Yeah, and yeah, considering how the... Uh, screwed up the town is from a power structure it kind of fits <laughs> yeah. so the fact that yeah you will do this otherwise we will make your life hell is kind of appropriate yeah.
4: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know why they went into the Swill and Warm Mabel Tavern though to get any food I think you would avoid that unless somebody told you that the, the food was actually good there you would stay away from it and you would never go in there
4: I think
1: it was like Billy Goat's. I was that Billy Goat's Tavern? <laughs> yeah. Now you're not being. Uh, Billy Goat's Tavern does have good food, though. Yeah, where they, where was it, a, it? Was it a dump? You had to know about it to,
4: to uh-huh. know that it was really good
3: food. So then the adventurers wander into town after whatever recent adventure they had with their group, of party of adventurers. They see the tavern and they just say, meh, let's go inside." So then they go inside, and they start to order their drinks and stuff, and then they automatically just go, uh,
4: oh,
3: and pass out like William Shatner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> saves either. I'm like, man. <laughs>
3: uh. <clears throat> Which then they wake up pretty much just in peasant clothing with all their stuff on a table, surrounded by a bunch of guards. And then Miner comes walking in with a bunch of other guards and says, ha-ha. And he explains the situation to them and why he's in town and what he's looking for. And he wants the characters to help him. So then they give you the the two positions in the situation that the characters accept. And he goes on to give them some more information about uh, where to find it based on a scroll that he has. Or if they do not accept, he gives them one more chance to accept, takes their stuff away, and then throws them out into the forest then you'll go meet another random NPC that has some pretty interesting information to give them.
1: Right. You can still do the adventure without actually uh, accepting his challenge, but mm-hmm. it would be pretty tough without any of your equipment and things like that. Right. <laughs> I think I think it's probably more, it's better to accept the challenge and then maybe double-cross him later when, when you run into Enaj in, or Inaj. I, I like Inaj better.
0: Yeah, Inaj. And that's what happens outside of the tavern. They, there's a blue jay that flying ahead, and it drops a folded piece of paper. <laughs> and it has a note from the queen saying, you know, hey, yo. go follow the blue jay, and you can help us out. So, you know, the, and you have a couple options there. They, either players, they can choose not to visit the queen, or they can agree to see her. Um, if they don't, uh, the, this blue jay will report to the queen, to the, of the, co- uh, players where, of the character's whereabouts. And they enter the tomb of where they need to go. Then they'll, before then they'll be greeted by a host of city guards and ha- escorted to the halls of power. So they're either way, they're going to meet up with her.
3: Yep.
4: So.
0: So I thought, you know, it's probably best that they just agree to see her (laughs) and go to the halls of power. So if the players do agree to it, and I I would think most of them would, they go see her, beautiful woman, 45 years old, strikingly, you know, strikingly beautiful blonde hair. And uh, that's an illusion, though. (laughs)
3: Yeah, she sits on her throne and she's really not there because she's just kind of projecting herself in one of the...
0: Yeah, actually kind of smart in a way, because you never know. These player characters can be really, really unpredictable. You know, you you never know. You might have that guy say, Fireball! (laughs) What? (laughs)
4: It's totally possible.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think you anticipated that because, you know, there's always that one guy. So... Or girl. um, Or girl, yeah.
1: In Laurie's case.
0: Yeah, you never know. (laughs) Um, so if they accept the, um, going to Lady, uh, Inage's, uh, Hall of Power. They go and meet her. They talk with her. Mm-hmm. And she discusses what the, about the scroll that she knows of that, that they have in their possession. She, uh, tells them about how the... Uh, minor Elad is evil, his father is a devil from hell. Um, and if they can get the golden box mentioned in the scroll, he'll use it he will use it as part of the regain throne in the city. If, so she wants them to retrieve the box for her so it can be held in quote unquote safekeeping. Yeah. So she's not exactly very good either. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But I noticed yes. they made it nice and even. Either party offers seven thousand gold and the magic item.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty darn enticing, if you ask me, you know, seven thousand gold to each person plus a uh, a beneficial magic item.
1: So You may have put a little too much magic and treasure in here, but based on the way we played, we never ever got everything. Right. Uh, or most things. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, I think for the level, I think that's pretty fair, you know? I mean, considering what player characters spend their gold on, you know? That's
4: true. And, players, and it's uh, always great to have new magical items.
0: Absolutely. Huh.
3: I do like the fact that the players refuse her offer yeah. peacefully. They can leave, of course. And, of course, that little blue jay goes over to the Assassin's Guild and says... <clears throat> please dispatch with the leader and then the rest of the party, if you can, and we'll give you some money.
0: Yes. And then we'll dispatch Yvonne, the terrible, (laughs) a 10th level assassin, nonetheless, which I thought was pretty cool. It's a female assassin. So it's like, Hey, that's pretty cool.
1: That was probably Don's idea. He, he loved assassins and and evil characters. (laughs)
0: So they, so we, uh, basically, it's <laughs> like politics. You got your, the, it seems like the, the party is going to be stuck in between, oh, who do we help here? <laughs> you know? Yes. So who are they, so who do they have to, uh, eventually in the end, they're going to have to double cross somebody.
3: Who's the lesser of the two evils, pretty much?
0: Basically, yeah. Yeah. So we go Or double on, cross them both. Or double cross yeah. them both. There you go. So you have that initial those initial meetings, and then it gets on to basically a general rundown of the town of Shallotville. And yeah. They talk talks about the tavern
4: mm-hmm.
0: and, and the various different um, uh, places within the uh, the town itself. What I thought was um, interesting was the actual halls of power. Yeah particularly the um where was it the trophy room oh yeah yeah uh yeah the, if They if they if the if the player characters somehow i'm thinking okay maybe they want to investigate this lady and they want to see if she's really on the up and up but they eventually end up in the uh trophy room then they're probably going to think you know what she's not so great either yeah <laughs>
3: My question is, is she going to let them freely roam around this place? I don't know about that.
0: I don't think so. I'm thinking more of like if the player characters want to take it upon themselves. You know, basically doing a B&E breaking and entering <laughs> on their own.
1: Or asked to look around, maybe with some guards. Yeah. I don't know if
3: the guards will going to let them
1: in the trophy room now because
3: <laughs> all the heads of former enemies <laughs> are on the shelf there. And-
0: yeah, I know. And some of them being human. Yeah. Or maybe the tr- I'm kind of thinking that's kind of, wow, that's kind of creepy.
2: Yeah. Or maybe the you trophy know. room, they show it, you know, you could end up in here if you don't go yeah. along. Just if you saying. You don't go along what we're
0: saying here. You can end up like one of these mooks. No, <laughs> that's what they're kind of doing here. So her, her what they say, many of these heads were Inaja's political enemies. And the rest are mementos of our adventuring days. I'm like, "Oh really <laughs> how nice, So you have some you know so that's one of the more interesting points I thought in the town was that 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 trophy room in the uh the halls of power. I thought that was pretty cool, and um I like the uh the uh was it the precious gems and jewelry store with honest Irving Hasselbaum. <laughs> He assumes everybody that walks in is a thief. I love that. That is great. A little paranoid, but hey.
3: <laughs> Let's not forget the Bottoms Up Tavern.
0: The Bottoms Up—that's a great name for a tavern. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> the Bottoms Up Tavern.
3: The dancing girls and the girl on the stage singing.
0: Oh, oh yeah, and the Eat and Run Tavern. Mm-hmm. Some <laughs> hey, real good names there for 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 a lot of these places. It's really good.
1: I think Laurie wrote most of the town. That's
0: a- yeah, it was a really good write-up on the town, and uh, I like and the gambling room was pretty cool. I like that little addition. That's something you don't see a whole lot. And I think in like a lot of published adventures, where there's a where you know, you should have like a little gambling area inside inside any inn or tavern or what have you. And that's pretty cool that that was added in there. And then you have the two old alchemists.
3: <laughs> over,
0: yes, the alchemist store was, or the the alchemist store where the uh, the two lawful good brothers, Merit the alchemist and Wryth. Yes, Wryth. Right. Wryth, both are very old, over a hundred years old. I get, I just could picture role playing those two guys. <laughs> Just like two absent-minded fellas. What happened? I'd probably play them like the two guys off of Dumb and you know, not Dumb and Dumber, but uh, what's the what's the movie uh, with uh, with Walter Matthau? Grumpy uh, old men.
1: Grumpy old man.
0: Grumpy old man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Putz! How you doing, moron? <laughs>
4: Well, we always liked town adventures, and a lot of times there weren't as many town adventures. But when we were playing town adventures, just going through towns—if they were fun—was was, was uh, very entertaining.
0: That's cool, especially if you have like like you did here. You have some pretty colorful NPCs in there, and that just kind of leads to other things because you never know. Uh, it could lead up to little mini side adventures here and there. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. I love these guys they, and they're. Really good at their job. I mean, 90% chance of being able to identify any magic item and its powers. I know who I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> that's a walking, and talking and wand of magic and magic detection right there.
1: Doesn't uh, Riesel Greedy get want to kidnap one of them? I think that's probably why. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 he also wants a potion of undead control, too. but the-
3: yeah, speaking about potions, I really had a good chuckle at the poor man's magic shop. Yes. Well, I will make any potion you want while you wait.
0: Yes, <laughs> while you wait.
3: No refunds.
0: <laughs> Where is that? Yes, poor man's magic shop. That That is fantastic.
3: Each potion has a 70% chance of either not working or backfiring.
0: Wow. So backfiring meaning we probably have to go to the potion miscability table, maybe? Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. That's, that's what I'd probably do, is go to the potion miscability table for that and say, okay, let's see who explodes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Either that or just being something else that it, you're not expecting to.
0: Right, right. That's pretty cool. I love that. Um, the one thing I found interesting, I, I, maybe it's just me, it's like that the the Assassin's Guild is right there. You know? I thought they'd be a little more secretive of like, where they're where they're at ah,
3: they don't care
0: yeah, especially in a again, town like this see, <laughs> yeah then again you gotta think about yeah who's running the country here you know the lady with all the severed heads in her house right. so, <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of took that into consideration i'm like well, okay yeah i'll run with that I, I can see that
3: assassin's guild welcome
0: yeah welcome <laughs> so I'm, I'm almost picturing like the assassin's guild out of like uh Uncle morpork <laughs> and who would you like to exhumed? Perhaps
1: um, we're we'll worrying.
0: Yes. Yeah, so um,
1: I think a lot of the um, places in the town weren't were unexplained. I don't know if that's because they didn't have room for it, or if, or if we didn't uh, fill them out or not. Like at the fish market and the undertaker.
3: Yeah, like the, the shop, um the spot of wine, the tail, or the fur. I guess they figured that was self-explanatory. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Either that or there wasn't room. and they, Like you said, they, it was self-explanatory, so they didn't really want to use
0: it. Here was another thing I found out in the town. Is like, where is it? The home of Quick Edward. Yes. Yeah, That would
1: be Eddie Verdoliac that Laurie was talking about earlier.
0: Okay, okay. So Quick Edward is...
4: So
0: fast Daddy. Fast Daddy. So he's the one and that explains why he's immune to the uh to the leaves spell. And he's a guy who uh he picks up brick from crumbling buildings where he sells them refurbished projects for the city. <laughs> so he's a stonemason guy. He's a con, he's a he's a con, he's in the construction business.
1: Yeah, away. Right. Yeah. In real life, uh they say he had his hand in everything and in chicago so we don't know that that's true or not
0: he runs a very reputable construction business there you go. so i'm like i wonder why is he immune then now you get the background I'm like okay <laughs> now i get it and uh that's those are the really the the highlights of the uh, town of Charlotteville, i thought so, there was some probably cool stuff in there so moving on you go to uh was it the minters tower and i oh, yeah. i guess if you want to lead on into this vince about minters tower uh it
3: pretty much uh is, a, is it was a three four four floor tower which has these at the very top has these really cool like mirror set up So uh, when the king was using the... Because there's a mine that's pretty much... I think it's under the town. Yeah. That's the gold source that they built the town around so that people could be rich. The king decided to uh, make it so that only he could get in there and transport the gold back and forth using this magical mirror teleport system, which is uh, really cool on the fourth floor when you use the sun at 7 a.m. in the morning and 7 p.m. at night, local time, of course. Uh <laughs> you can unreal, un- unveil mirrors in the room and there's, there's different things that'll happen. Uh let's see here. The I like the, especially like the fourth mirror which shows you all the torture of everyone that was Oh yeah. in hell pretty much. But uh you can shatter each one of these except for one of them. Uh the third mirror will not break at all, but when you do shatter the fourth mirror, you have a chance of going insane. Well, you do go insane by shattering it and you get to have different uh, types of insanity. Yeah, I wouldn't want a character stuck with monomania,
1: though. No, oh, no, stuck. Yeah, I always like to use all, all that stuff in the the Dungeon Master's Guide on insanity. I, I love putting that, things, things like that in to adventures. I don't I know. know if I, wish we if I did that more or not, <coughs> but it, it, I don't know whose idea it was to do that. I'm sure that I, was yours, Jad.
0: So, so the, I'm guessing you probably played a little Call of Cthulhu too, so let's throw some in Sandy.
1: Don owned Call of Cthulhu. I don't know if we ever played it or not.
0: Didn't get you to, to play.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> I always wanted to play D&D instead. Uh, the mirrors do serve a purpose
3: actually. There's four of them in there. One was supposed to, uh, in case of the, a wartime, you shatter it, it's supposed to supply food, because if you shatter the first mirror, it breaks in to a hundred glass pieces, which turn into little miniature cakes, within two rounds, which are delicious. But if you eat too many of them, you kind of get all fat and slow down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm picturing like a hundred cupcakes on the floor, something <laughs> like that.
3: And then if you break mirror two, a hidden trap door immediately opens above and dumps five hundred shiny minted gold pieces, which I guess was supposed to be uh, one in time of war you're in the siege. You, here's your food source. Number one. Number two is here's your hidden spot to hide things. Mirror 3, I didn't figure out what that one was representing. Maybe I missed that. And 4 was um, supposed to be to hide something. What was the fourth one? They can turn it.
0: It, the Mirror 4, when you shattered it, that one you just you became permanently insane. Now, I, don't, okay. I don't remember what the actual...
3: Um, to piece, so each will turn into a bush seedling,
1: so there's your, your food growth source. That's for fuel. Yeah. You could cut cut the tree out and have have firewood. And mirror 3 is, I think, part of the teleport system, so, so
0: yeah, that's why it wouldn't so, break. Yeah, Mirror 1, if you broke, that provided the sustenance. Mirror 2 was a place to keep especially valuable treasures. Mirror 3 was an easily closable secret passage for entering and exiting the tower. And Mirror 4 where is the one where... If you I th- think Mirror four was the one where if you i don't know if you broke it or you reached into it um the the uh there was like the seeds and the within a few uh turns they grew in the trees
3: yeah until it looked, and
0: they, that was to provide a source of fuel
3: One of them was supposed to be gazing to your source of view or something uh was, was that the throat No, I can't remember that.
0: Well, the first one... Let's see where it says it.
3: Well, in any case, Mirror 3 is supposed to reflect and show where the teleport system is so you can step on the platform and be transported into the... uh, the cavern, the rat caverns. Which we go to the next session of the rat caverns where you start to meet the uh, Greasel and his army pretty much down there.
0: Yeah, and let me... uh... Scroll down down to that, to the rat caverns. This is where it really gets, <laughs> it gets really interesting here is on the rat caverns, because not only do you have giant rats and were rats, but you have elite giant rats. So rats of enormous size, yeah. but um, you have the leader of the were rats, who's Greasel, greedy gut, and he's a ninth level magic user at at that as well. So nothing uh, <laughs> nothing to sneeze at at all. And I like the I like the uh, the descriptions of each of the whereats. Each was rather unique, you know, because you have Greasel. He used to be a lawful good magic user, and
3: there that was, that was a question I had about Greasel because they said he was lawful good magic user, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But then they mentioned his name, Nigel, at one point. Was his name supposed to be someone yeah. else in there as well? Or
1: That was his name previous when he was in the city of Enid Argil, I believe. I have actually made that note when I first got the module. I, I put a line through there and said, Nigel Dream Spray. Gotcha. That's- so, so they just didn't put that in, or, or we forgot to put it in, or something uh,
4: okay. Like
3: that. Okay, that was the question I had. I was like, okay, it must be his former name, Nigel, then.
0: So, yeah, what happened with him, I guess there was, uh, yeah, he would attempt to see a city of Enid Argyle of the dreaded up, Obadiah. And in the attempt, his band of adventurers were slain. He was badly injured and taken captive. So... And in doing so, he, he was turned into a were rat, totally warped his mind, and he renounced his past life and dreamt only of renan, revenge. And he then took a different name, which his original name was Nigel, and he changed it to Greasel Greedy Gut.
1: Hmm. So now, Obadiah was the ghost that lived in Lori's house. <laughs>
0: So that was the guy, huh?
4: <laughs> Just a temporary ghost though.
0: Okay.
3: You tell us a little more background on that. I'm interested to hear a little bit.
0: Yeah. Now I'm interested.
4: Oh, well, we can get back to that one later. That's a longer story.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Well, we got ghost stories too. Okay. I'm digging this even more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apparently, uh, the now newly named Greasel Greedy Gut made a pact with. Um, okay. Which allowed both of them to concentrate on their main goals. The rats became devoted followers of Elad and converted by Elad's were rat cleric, Kerrigan. So you have another fellow who's a were rat and he's a cleric named uh, Kerrigan.
1: That was Laurie's neighbor.
0: <laughs> oh, Kerrigan? Yeah. Okay.
1: I forget why <laughs> Lori might be able to remember. I don't that.
4: remember, honestly. <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh, I do remember. Yes, they were just very difficult.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, Breazle, uh, he his spell book is... Under guard of some ghouls in a in an area under underground with where um, it's a little further on from the were-rats. The problem is he can't get to it, <laughs> so he hasn't been able to memorize that many spells. So, in a way, the 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 parties want, could get his spellbook for him in in some fashion later on. So. Um, and he and Greasel can't get to it because the alchemist that was working with him was killed by falling rocks during the Earth Tremor. So he was unable to safely enter the ghoul's lair.
3: Which is uh, why he was trying to capture one of the old wizards in town to help, I think, manufacture a potion. A
0: potion of undead control, yep. Control. So he's just been kind of hanging back. He doesn't know what to do, trying to ho- ho- capture one of the wizards. And now this, the, the party's coming along and maybe... As they go through this uh the the where rat and rat layer, once they come to him, maybe they'll be able to maybe get to negotiate with him uh in trying to get his um his spell book back. I did like the I like I said, I did like the backgrounds of each of these were rats. Like Kerrigan. His mother was when he was when she was pregnant, was bitten by a were rat. But when the baby was born, it had the face of a rat. So, distraught, the, the parents bought, brought the baby to Elad for sacrificing. But instead of killing the infant, Elad substituted a human baby for the last moment, saving the young were-rat, which I guess must be Kerrigan. Mm. So, that's a that's a pretty cool background.
3: Did he, like, go to his uh, special baby cabinet in his house and pull one out?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <care. laughs> he must have just...
3: He just, uh, I, uh, he just happened to have a baby? I'm sorry. He happened to a baby laying around? Uh, yeah,
0: well, I don't know. Hey. <laughs> he he was a devil. You never know. Yeah, I
3: guess so. He could have had it. I just thought it was funny. It's like He just substituted, luckily. Yes. <laughs> he didn't find a baby that quickly.
0: He stole it. He was a devil. I mean, what did he care?
3: I just thought it was funny, that's all.
0: <laughs> I he know.
4: He turned it as the firstborn son of somebody who traded something for him.
0: Yeah. here you go. And let's see, who else did you have? You had Elsie, hmm. uh, third-level were-rat, were-rat thief. Um, she is a beautiful human, and Greasel took it upon himself to make it make her his mate. Um, uh, even though she is a lycanthrope, she's angry and depressed, finding herself hideously ugly as a were-rat. And she hasn't been aware at that long. She cannot shape change at will. Hmm. And since she doesn't like her predicament so much, there is a pretty good chance that she will aid the adventures and attempt to escape. So.
4: Lots of intrigue.
0: Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then you have this guy by the name of Ralph. <laughs> Ralph Obdern. <laughs> He loves being a were apparently. He just doesn't care. Doesn't want to be a human anymore. Loves being a were rat.
1: He has a really well cool
0: sword.
3: <laughs> then we have Mr. Chatterbox, uh, <laughs> Cyrus.
0: Oh, yes. Cyrus Mashpee.
3: Who just can't stop talking. will tell the adventurers pretty much anything as long as they're friendly to him.
4: Yeah. Okay.
1: He's supposed to lead them around the the tunnels, too, but if they got tired of him, they might get rid of him. True.
3: Once the player characters get down into there, they pretty much meet Greasel and his band of merry... I mean, his band of furry friends. Merry furry friends. (laughs) Yeah, merry furry friends, and he pretty much is like, friend or foe, and uh, they pretty much either can tell him a lie or tell him the truth, and he pretty much can figure out if he's working with Miner or not, and if he is working with Miner, then he allows them to freely walk about and that's when Cyrus starts showing him around down there. We'll Well showing the, the party around I should say. And there is one room I really did find interesting was that the Kerrigan's chapel room.
0: That is um what room is that?
3: Uh eight, one B. One B. I was gonna say eighteen wow. I can't say.
0: Eight one B No just one B. <laughs> Not one eight. B, I'm sorry.
3: Where there is a uh, pink a solid pink quartz uh, stone with the body, well what appears to be the body of uh, the king and his skeletal bones and they' are missing one rib mad, and his yeah, is resting go. on top you know, on a nice little purple velvet pillow built uh, on there' There's a little skull is resting on there, and there's an ornate silver scroll case, which is obviously empty
0: obviously.
4: Yeah. John,
1: is that where Washington was? No, he's in the mausoleum. Oh, okay. It's
0: okay. We got more people in the real world coming into this. Okay. <laughs> cool. Right, the
1: real Mary.
3: <laughs> There's a small bloodstained altar to the west of the platform. This is where uh, uh, Kerrigan would hold a uh, ceremony once in a while and force the wear rats to pretty much. Well, I don't know if they were forced to towards the end but had the wererots watch as he performed a ceremony for the uh, king's good name and uh, the player characters if they decide to steal the skull or anything in the room you kind of get one of those the walls start crushing in on you
0: yeah or if they, they even... enter the room without kerrigan's key
3: mm-hmm.
0: Uh there will be an irony ironies that will appear
3: come to collect their souls
0: yeah so,
3: <laughs> there's a on the yeah. magical runes. There's all the they're bleh, I can't talk on the magical on the oof, uh, on the railing. There's a magical runes that says death does not take all. The structure of man holds the power. It's supposed to be some of the secrets of how they can figure out how to find the leaves and what they can do with them at that point.
1: Yeah. It's still pretty hard to st- figure it out, though.
3: It is from the from the description. It is kind of difficult at this point for them to figure out what to do with the ribbing.
1: Yeah, that room with the, the crushing too. It it said the walls crush in, but it's supposed to be circular. So it, I think I did the room a little wrong because circular walls couldn't crush you. I don't think.
4: Well,
0: if it went well, it's steamy. Anything can happen. Yeah, well, I was thinking
1: maybe it. it Presses you from above instead.
3: Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. Maybe they just drew the map wrong.
1: Well, if they copied mine, then I did it wrong. I sure.
2: Maybe
0: the now just... there is. I think in the uh, the skull on the pillow, mm-hmm. and if you, I guess if you pick it up, yeah, it'll start to talk.
3: No, 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 you have to put the scroll inside the silver scroll case. Oh,
0: okay, and, and then you get the uh, the skull, and the, the skull, skull on the pillow. will start talking.
3: Yeah, and the, in the king's voice, may I add?
0: Yes, and it, it and it says a riddle, and one of the things in the riddle is actually a uh, this little ditty. If they pay attention, will help defeat something coming uh, in the future here the words to say e-meth comes from such a time the word means truth for all mankind erase the e the word spells meth the meaning changes from life to death so that's a little bit of a clue that there's something in the future that will happen They they there's a using that to defeat a particular creature dun 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 dun, dun. we'll keep, <laughs> keep our listeners uh Uh, in bated breath what it might be
3: yep and then there's a couple other rooms in here there is uh, let's see Kerrigan's room they have a treasure room which is guarded by a subterranean lizard likes to uh, kill people unless somebody comes in that is Kerrigan only Uh, let's see here, and then there we have the giant, en- we have the entrance to the town of the hidden gold, which I didn't notice at first on the map where it was. Yeah, I kind of was like, where is it? I kept looking one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Where am I missing? And, then, and I- then we
0: had to go to the mine complex map.
3: Yeah, it's really hard to find the. Yeah, then I realized it was the where it said the complex five. I was like, oh, okay, that's what they mean.
0: I thought that was really cool. I'm like, ah, why didn't they put any encounters in there? Because the 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 banded the uh, mine uh, town sounded like oh, that would be a perfect place for like maybe some undead.
1: I, thought I didn't would think be of that.
0: Cool.
4: Yeah, it would have been.
0: But then again, there's a I think in the in the hidden gold mining town, or is it in the uh, leading up to it? There's a chance that you have cave-ins.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Crawling through, there's a there's a chance that it might be a cave in, uh you have to roll a twelve sided dice, and uh that's how far you can crawl through there. One to ten is and you multiply it to see how much distance you traveled. If you rolled an eleven, means a total cave in, but someone is able to stick their head through the entrance and the character's not harmed. Twelve means as soon as they get out, boom we just boom cave in. Yep. Then we get over to the hidden town, which everybody is dead because they got sealed in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an old rickety town and player characters decide to investigate. Go in any one of the buildings, they have a chance that the building just fall on top of them.
0: Right. That's what it was. I'm our, so, yeah, there's a little bit of a danger there. Yeah. <laughs> you have a whole building collapsing upon your head. So...
3: And Cyrus's room, a Thieves' refugee... Uh, a giant rat lair. Let's see, rat lair, rat lair. A couple entrances. Training room. guarded portugals. The alchemist lab. Watering hole. Or say water hole.
0: Ah, uh, here we are. There's one thing I was looking for. When they're talking... When they're in Greasel's audience chamber. And the couple of the options that might... That might come up. Mm-hmm. And it says... You know, the characters agree with Greasel's, you know, helping out Greasel. They'll instruct Cyrus, Mashpee to be their guide, along with six giant rat guards, the Area 24, which is, I believe, to the ghouls. Yes. Now, if the players attempt to double cross, (laughs) uh, then Greasel hits them with an ice storm spell. (laughs) Oh, great.
1: I don't know if an ice storm spell will fit in that room. I, I was looking at that.
0: Well, it, it gets better. It's like once players get out of the ice storm, then he fireballs them.
1: Yeah. So that you know, like here's it. a little
0: bit of cold and a little bit of hot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> try to double cross me, will you? <laughs> so I, I love that. That was great. And then they, I I guess if they do agree, then they can try to go on to the uh, the ghouls the treasure cavern where eventually they have to you know try to find that that spell book. And I was I think where where if I could find it mm-hmm. is What are we looking for? Uh about the walls of force.
1: Yeah. The the wall I think that's uh where this uh, I don 't know what you call it, it's like a cove, and it, yeah. it keeps you from leaving, leaving the cove first, and getting yeah. out.
0: Okay, so there was like two walls of force, I guess. Is that right?
1: I'm not sure if there were two, but but oh, I, I know there's a
0: little illusion, and there's, there's a wall of force. okay, that's right, I'm sorry so there's a so in the actual ghoul cavern. You have a lot of ghouls and a few ghasts. Now, once the...
3: A few ghouls is a lot. (laughs)
0: 21. Yeah. And four ghasts. So, what they've been here locked in since Greasel. Wizard locked the entrance to the burial vault. And that's one of the ways in.
3: They're in there sucking on a mushroom.
0: Yeah, they're sucking on mushrooms and eating... (laughs) Uh, basically whatever they can find along the uh, the shore you know like like shellfish and what have you so they're really hungry well one of the things that he did is uh, what uh, greasel did he cast uh, two permanent walls a wall of illusion and a wall of force and i thought this was kind of interesting in the wall of illusion, it prevents any vessel passing this area from seeing that there is a cavern opening, so it puts this wall of illusion up to basically cloak the area in, and then there's a wall of force that keeps anyone from entering from the sea or leaving to the sea so that's how the uh, uh, the ghouls are pretty much trapped in this area and and the and the thing is the ghouls had no idea. That they are guards to the spell book and treasure in there. They've just been, they've been trapped in here. They were fed up until recently by Greasel's alchemist, but now they're just kind of like subsiding on just whatever, whatever little bits of of meat and shellfish when they can they can find.
3: I, the, the mushrooms that grow in there that they're kind of like chewing on. Uh, I like a in three rounds after eating one of them, you get to increase your strength by five. You still, yeah. You still can't go past 18, though. But, uh, so if a fighter's up there on his uh, points, he's like, oh, nothing really happens for him too much, so.
0: No. But I thought that, um, yeah, that's a lot of ghouls and gas. but, you know, you're talking characters' levels six to nine, so they might be able to handle it. Hopefully you get some you know people that turned undead and then there's more undead around this area. You got some shadows you got to deal with. And a pretty cool uh, magic weapon, a a silvered spear plus 2, which is kind of cool. You mm-hmm. know, like that, it's something a little different. And um and then here's the thing about those those uh <coughs> excuse me, those uh um shadows. And they in the area, there's are some sarcophaguses, or should... I don't know.
1: I spelled it wrong. I thought it was sarcophagi, Sarko- but... Right, yeah. But either way... But they didn't catch it either.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And they said this contained the skeletal remains of the three persons who once owned all these items. Three shadows, their name are Preven, mm. Zidane, and Eord the Bold. So... I was just kind of wondering: Is there maybe a story behind those three names at all? I don't think or there is. I was I like, I just... why did they name the, the 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 spirits of the shadows there? I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something to that. Maybe it's name of dead NPCs that they had. I don't. <laughs> so maybe
4: I think, just... I think you named those, John. Those yeah. Are your... I,
1: I don't think that there was anything behind that, but you never know. There, there could have been something that was left out. I thought the shadows should be more powerful. A uh, more powerful undead. They're they're going to get if yeah, you got a be- decent cleric, they're gone right away.
0: But then again, you know, they ha- they would have to go through a whole bunch of gas and ghouls. Yeah. maybe the party's kind of weak by then. And then you or got the, the cleric's dead. <laughs> yeah, and then what? If, what if the cleric is dead? Then you're in real trouble. So I just thought that was interesting. He actually, named the shadows. So that's pretty cool. And then we go on to the. The, uh, I guess, the crux of the whole thing, the mausoleum. Yes. So, I guess you could take it from there, Vince, and talk about the mausoleum a little bit.
3: It's really cool. No, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's it. Great.
3: The mausoleum for everybody. Have a nice day. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and this mausoleum is pretty much a, an homage to the king, obviously, as there is a worship room and there is where the, f- the room was supposed to be buried mm-hmm. uh, in this uh, mausoleum. And, the relic room is where there's uh like kind of, I forget what they call it. An homage to the King there, but it's actually, it looks like there's somebody in there worshiping him, but it's not, it's actually an illusion. And uh, when you walk into the room, the illusion will scream at you and ask you to leave. And if you don't leave, he unleashes a bunch of, uh, I think it was ghouls, wasn't it? Specters.
0: Specters. 10 of them. 10 specters. And they're yelling, Elad, the King.
3: Right, and the only way to uh to do this is to pretty much either fight them or uh yell Eli the king pretty much, and then they'll just all return and go away,
0: yeah, so, and they're like they're actually all illusions, yeah,
3: so they will hit, and you can feel their hits and their attacks and everything, so the characters unless they choose to disbelieve, which they don't have any reason to right. But once they you the king, or they defeat the cleric that's there, everything just disappears and resets. Which They can figure their way into 5B room here, mm-hmm. which is actually the relic room itself, and it has a bunch of cases in it. And One is the original treaty signed by the king and Greasel, and another one contains a bunch of rings. One has... One ring is actually a ring of I was I was going to call it a fireball ring or a fire spreading ring. Am I right, Nick?
0: Yeah, it's that there's a, a it so like, fires a, uh, a anytime where it hears like a, a triangle, you know, like yep. the magic, uh, the music, musical, musical, uh, the triangle, a, a wave of fire basically comes out in a what was it? Burning hands at a skill level 12. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So basically Burning Hands is a 12th level magic user. And it doesn't matter if it's like from you or for somebody else, any time a triangle is sounded off, it goes off. Oh. And I think it had like 7 charges or something like that.
3: Uh 11 after.
0: 11 of charges? Yeah.
3: And the last case holds uh the king. the teachings of King Vlad and uh he wrote it himself. And it's the quickest and most effective meanings of, t- of reaching eternal happiness in hell.
0: <laughs> eternal, yeah, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Yeah, eternal happiness in hell, really?
3: And then we see the phrase again, death does not take all. The structure of man holds the power. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Comes up yet again. The fourth case contains the back rib of the king himself. And the inscription says it will give the ribs possessor immunity from all fire and the highest constitution possible. (laughs)
0: Lies. Yes, because it says both untrue. And then we come to the fifth case, which has something really cool.
3: (laughs) It just has a mace.
0: Just a mace? (laughs) It's not just a mace. It's
3: a mace plus three. And? To hit and and damage.
0: And?
3: also poisons its victims.
0: And,
3: and if unless you're lawful evil it causes you 20 points of damage
0: and
3: and um i don't know what else is the end
0: <laughs> uh if you're neutral it does 15 hit points of damage to you and if you're chaotic evil i thought this was interesting you take 10 hit points of damage so <laughs> so i guess that's a a way of like keeping out of the hands of a demon
1: it's very lawful. Yeah.
0: Very lawful, but very evil. I like this mace. <laughs> I want one.
4: Uh,
0: well, no. So, you're lawful evil, Nick? What? I cannot confirm nor deny that. Uh, next question, Senator. <laughs> uh, moving right along. Uh...
3: <laughs> There's one last case in there, the sixth case containing the Talisman of the King. The mere act of touching the oaken staff with the top carved and yields devil face will cause alignment to automatically change to lawful evil and the character will age 30 years.
0: Yeah, that's pretty nasty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the review in Space Gamer said that was a little too tough. They thought it should be toned down. <laughs> really? Well, yeah.
0: if you're playing anybody that's... If you're non-human, you're probably going to be okay. If right. you're human... Not so much. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, fine. If you want to, if you want to tone it down a little, give them a saving throw. There. Yeah. Tone down.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or but if that, you're a paladin or something, or a cleric, all of a sudden your alignment shifts. Yeah. Well, I've been through that. Yeah.
1: You shouldn't be touching everything you find. Exactly.
0: Now. You know, players players need to know, learn,
2: don't they? <laughs> right. That's right. Yes. And sometimes That's they just Players are a lot like toddlers. They must touch everything and put it in their mouth. Well put.
0: (laughs) Well put, Matt. They are like toddlers. Yes.
4: Yeah, they learn by experiences. Exactly. And and
0: sometimes they don't learn at all, either after about the 11th or 12th time. But hey. (laughs) Yeah. So you have, what was it? That was
2: the sixth case. Yep, the talisman. And then, um, yeah, that talisman also oh, yeah. has the chance of summoning
0: summoning Elad. Yep, yeah. was now a lemur. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gonna. There's a there's a chance he'll show up, and if he does, he'll be standing there dripping, look like a lemur. Ugh.
1: Unless this is 250 years later, uh, and then he will come ba- uh, back as a flesh morph.
0: Yes just thought that was funny He comes back like I can just imagine him saying why am I here (laughs) why are you bothering me (laughs) I still got like 200 some years left
4: not
0: even fully formed and then um, the secret stairway the secret stairway and um,
3: well he built it because he didn't think he went right before well actually after his son left yes and he wanted to protect his leaves, so when hope, his leaves so hope hoping one day his son will return, and claim the throne. But he didn't wait. <laughs> nope. And he prayed and prayed and prayed for forgiveness. Therefore, the crypt was built, in the event that the demon, or actually devil, allowed him to return to hell before Ronald Yad had returned to Shadowville. And In the next room, I did find, uh, when you get down there, the first room is guarded by a golem.
0: Yes, and a new, a, new, a new type of golem.
3: A glass golem. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool, because when you break a piece of him off, it shatters and explodes, into, and players have to try to get out of the way, otherwise they take damage for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, each, uh, each time it takes more than five hit points of damage, a piece of glass will shatter, and everything, I guess, within... I, I guess probably within, uh, or hits everyone. But I would say probably at a certain radius, you get hit for two to five points of damage. Yeah. So, every- so if you like, if you do more than five hit points of damage, I don't know if it's every five hit points of damage, or if it's just more than five every time you're, you're doing it. There's it shatters off a bit, and two to five hit points of damage goes to everybody.
3: It says five uh, points of damage for each blow.
0: For each, Yeah, from a single blow.
3: But the, the golem does stay intact the whole time, right?
0: Yeah, that's a pretty nasty golem. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> that yeah, who came up with that one?
1: I don't okay. know.
4: I don't remember. I, I
1: know, I, know I used to make explosions that all my monsters explode, but I don't know if I wrote that or Don may have re- written this. I
4: don't think so. I, I think it was you, John. That was pretty... You had some good monsters in there.
0: Yeah, I like this. I like this Glasgow. Not only does that, if you hit it, do more than a certain amount of damage, it does damage to you. It has really sharp knuckles that cause double damage to opponents wearing no armor or leather. Uh, ring, scale, or chainmail clad opponents take normal damage. But after three hits, their armor is useless. Yikes. Yeah. If you wear splint bandit or plate armor, you take normal damage. And After six hits, your armor is useless. <laughs> Unless you're wearing magical armor. Right. That's the only caveat. If you got on even leather armor plus one, you're good to go. But if you're wearing any normal armors after a certain amount of hits, your, your armor is toast. So I thought that was pretty cool too
3: well the gull will immediately attack anybody that runs in the room so if you leave he'll just kind of not follow you No, that's right. that's
1: get away from him if
3: you can't really seem to defeat him
0: and then
1: there's well, he's, got, he's got the emmeth the on him too then you can kill him right away by pulling off that E
0: right and that What's was it? that that little uh, that hint little ditty what? that the skull was saying that was the little hint there
3: yeah, on top of his head is a large glass crown with the letters Emyth hanging loosely from strings over his forehead, which is supposed to be giving you the little secret little tip from before. And you pull the E off, and he goes, brr.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, it does better than that, because, like you said, this is a, this is a creature that explodes <laughs> when, it, when it dies. So anyone within 10 feet of sh- when the golem is shattered, you take 3 to 30 hit points of damage
1: but you need that what's inside him. Yeah. And I think Laurie wrote that because that's a real, the Emma thing, because that's uh based on a real Jewish legend or something. I don't know it what sure it is. It is. And in that, I think when the guy pulls the, the E off, the golem dies and it falls on him and kills him.
0: Yeah. It goes to the original, there was a original legend of the golem. And, and uh, in, inscribed on the golem's head is in Hebrew is a certain word and uh, if you, I guess if you take out one of the letters it renders it inoperable but that's yeah that's from actual legend when I first read that I'm like oh that's pretty cool they incorporated that that's kind of neat
3: Yeah. so we move on from this room and uh, obviously after the golem shatters it uh, has a couple magical items Yep. inside the heart is a silver necklace with a uh, the convex glass globe, which is the amulet of light protection. Mm-hmm. Inside the stomach is a twelve inch long triangular candle. And inside the legs are one fly scroll and one knock spell. Yes. Oh I'm sorry. Inside the brain is a manual of making glass golems. Which is really cool.
0: Yeah. Cause I would make mine out of broken Coke and Pepsi bottles. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay,
2: Nick.
0: That would be cool.
2: Coke (laughs) is it. Splat. There you go. Coke bottle golem.
3: Would you like to try some Pepsi?
2: (laughs) Take the taste challenge.
3: Yeah, take the taste challenge,
2: man. Good one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that glass golem. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that in an adventure, too. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a... uh, a variant of golem that's glass. That's, I know they had the the crystal golem in original in, in basic d and I don't think there was like a glass one. So that's pretty cool.
3: So then you go on to the next hallway, which is a marble hallway with all these uh, flickering candles on silver sconces. Mhm. And they keep burning unless a dispel magic is cast on them. At the very end of the hallway
0: is it is an empty sconce that's gold and triangular. Oh. <laughs> What do we have? Nothing. A 12-inch long triangular candle. Cool.
3: Which will unlock the heavy oak door. Yay. Carved on the outside of the door are strange ruins. And if you happen to have read magic or figure a way to read it, may the fires of hell engulf the body and soul of any intruder fool enough to pass this door.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where the thief in the party. Oh, great. i got to go, guys.
3: Yeah, I could pick this lock. Sorry. Bye. Yeah. And then there's a uh, southern, on the southern wall, there's a plain oak door as well.
4: Okay.
0: And then you go to the room of, well, before you get to the room of fire, there is, well, you're walking. Well, you'll see that once you uh, place the candle in in the sconce the characters will see the dark veins of the marble against the eastern wall begin to glow, a soft red color, which gradually increases in intensity. I'm like, ooh. (laughs) So you see an intricately sculpted marble door with the demonic face of King Elad. And uh, then you go on to the Room of Fire. So, yeah, I thought this was really really nasty whoever came up with this room of fire i you know hats off to you um so you go into this room there is a it's 20 by 10 there are three stone sarcophagi and you got it right here (laughs) and then and uh there's a at the foot of each sarcophagus is a three-foot brass urn and this was planned to be the actual final resting place of king elad's wife and son guarded by a fire-resistant mummy. I thought that was really cool because the mummy is still there.
4: <laughs>
1: the and this trouble is why is the, the
0: mummy is fire-resistant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the trouble is the mummy is, is too easy to kill. or That's turn. Why we I made turn it fire and, Yeah. Yeah, but he'll get turned right away unless that cleric is out of commission.
0: Yeah. But I, I love that the mummy has... There's this golden amulet around his neck. Now, I'm sure, you know, you have characters of certain level ranges. They run into a mummy. They're like, ah, I know how to take care of this. They don't like fire. So let's fireball this thing or, you know, burning hands or I don't know, something. You know, throw oil and light them on fire. Now, it says that the fire-resistant mummy is attacked with fire. The flames will cover entire body, which without causing damage. Then the mummy's eyes and mouth will begin to glow. I love that the glow orange, and he sucks in the fire covering his body, followed by a hideous laugh. (laughs) That's so great. After this, he will attack by throwing flames at his opponents, causing 3 of the 12 hit points of damage, unless the characters save against fire. I love that.
1: (laughs) That's my favorite part, I think, of the whole match.
0: I love that, because this is like, uh, losers Um, (laughs) Whap.
1: I just want the characters to be able to get it, then I don't know if they could handle being engulfed in flames before they use it. You know, if they get fireballed, look we'll at engulfed in flames, are they gonna survive?
0: Yeah. I just love that the idea is like, you know, you have a, a, a creature that is known to be, you know, pretty susceptible to fire, and you make it a little fire resistant, and not only that, but turn the fire against the party. That's brilliant. <laughs> so and I guess the the fire absorption lasts seven more times and then again on the eighth attempt, the amulet explodes as a ninth level magic user fireball. That is fantastic. I'm going to be using that too. <laughs> that is really, really cool. I, I See, I love stuff like that. Where you just kind of you take something that's like, oh yeah, no problem, we got this handle, and you just like turn it on its head, and then they're like, oh, uh, what's going on? Its its <laughs> eyes are glowing and it's shooting fire out of its mouth. What?
4: That's not <laughs> supposed to happen, right?
0: Exactly. <laughs> that's why it's so wonderful.
4: <laughs> I know. I can already see the characters already shouting and running backwards,
0: and yes, going right away. <laughs> That is just, that's really good stuff. So, and then we go on to if they survive that. Yeah. uh, You have the sacrificial chapel.
3: Where Cynthia was actually sacrificed in.
0: Right. (laughs) And you could kind of take that one there, Vince. Sure. Uh, This room. This is a good one, too.
3: (laughs) I, I love this room. It has a big mural showing the demonic ritual itself. And uh, Elad show overseeing the sacrifice of a maiden who's being thrown into the fire pit by two barbed devils. <laughs> uh, and we have some overlookers, and then the uh, in the background watching. And the western part of the room is a marble altar. The north of the altar is a gong, and east of the altar is a sacrificial pit. Hmm. The eastern head has a uh, finally has five finely carved. Mahogany pews. Lying next to the altar is a red handed human man who has been torn apart. Long claw body long claw marks over his body. Next to him lies a glowing two handed sword which has fallen out of his hand. Which is a cool sword, is plus one and plus two versus magic versus magic using an enchanted creatures. Yeah. Attached to his belt are two torches, a hatchet, and a small pouch. Of course if we look at the The pouch, there's five gold and a bunch of overdue tax notices. (laughs)
1: Uh, Now, that guy is uh, supposedly Harold Washington. Yes. And he actually won the mayoral race. And we didn't, he came in late and we didn't think he'd have a chance. What do we know? And he ended up winning it, but we killed him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because his name is Lieutenant H. Washington engraved on a badge with the sign of the griffin.
1: And he, he spent jail time uh, for not uh, filing income tax returns. That's why we put the tax ah, receipts in
0: there. Ah, hence the over-two tax notices. Yeah. Cute.
3: <laughs> so at the back of the altar, there are some easily visible compartments, which have been already opened. Inside is a three-gallon barrel of oil, decanter of brandy, decanter of human blood. What, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and a two-foot golden idol of village devil form with diamond eyes worth quite a bunch of gold.
0: Yeah, quite a bit of loot, 2000.
3: But as soon as you touch that altar or anything in or on that altar, your hand, the player's hand, not the character's hand may add, will be stained blood red. The core, the color will not wipe or wash off and can only be removed with holy water or dispel curse. I can see the players burning around going, "My hand!" Yes. Uh, the the first character to touch the altar or any possessions will cause the gong to slowly rumble, followed by two flashes of light which will shoot out of the eyes of the devil on the mural. Reaching the door, the flashes will have formed into human-like figures, which then depart. Two turn later, a barbed devil will climb out of the mural and search for anyone with blood-red hands. Yikes.
0: Yep.
3: Finding that person, he will attempt to kill them. Oh, who's going to give him a teddy bear? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All the characters will not be touched even if they attack it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that part.
0: I just love this. I I finally got it now. It's like, oh, they're cu- their hands are color. Oh, they're caught red-handed. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I finally got it. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs>
0: like, oh my goodness, I caught that one now. That's really good. So, um...
3: Once we defeat the Barb Devil,
0: we yes. beyond the hidden
3: Marble Door. And there's a bunch of stairs going down the corridor heading to the north. And then we get the Corridor of the Future.
0: Yeah. the Corridor of the Future. So, yeah, you go in this corridor. It's 10 feet by 15 feet. Very dark. Um, uh, Daryl. will there are any light sources which give off heat, small areas of the corridor walls will appear to suddenly ignite so those match were lit and the sound of a match lighting can be heard. And that's, I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting. The the air is only burnt for two seconds before they uh, disappear. And then so, but after you go down this, yeah, it's 10 feet wide, 15 feet high, but after you go down 40 feet you start to feel a source of heat coming from somewhere after another 10 feet you'll notice that there are small fireplaces that have been built in the east and west walls and there's woodless smokeless fire burning within them if you look within the flames you see a scene of your immediate future regarding this adventure if the group is having trouble, the DMA wish to show them the ironies about to be encountered. So there's kind of a little bit of a portent of the future there. And uh, once you go back that uh, past that, there's a rope bridge you have to get past. So you know, dex checks must be made. Uh, I think particularly,
3: I would show in the fire at the scenes of them going across the bridge and like one of the falling. Yeah, one of the people in the party that really rolls bad, his character slips off.
0: Yes, you know, the one who's playing the Dwarven fighter. You know, going, ah! (laughs) So so you have the rope bridge that they have to uh, negotiate across. And um, then you go to the Irani's room.
1: The rope bridge is originally supposed to have skeletons floating up in bubbles from the river below. Shoot, yeah. and then they'd they'd shoot arrows at at you, and it would break the bubble, and they'd fall back down, and re- reassemble, and hop in another bubble, oh, that's, and come back up. I wonder what happened to that. I don't know if we forgot to put it in, or no, we thought it was they, too tough, or they, they took, took it out. They
4: that out, John. Oh. I remember we were disappointed that they took it out.
0: They thought it was getting too tough. I guess. Because yeah, know. I'm thinking about it, you know negotiating across a rope bridge like that across a, a crevasse with you know a river down below and then you'd have like undead skeletons shooting at you oh, wait a minute that's kind of redundant undead skeletons but yeah. <laughs> you have skeletons shooting at you with air with bows yeah
3: i have skeletons hitting you
0: <laughs> yeah that's why i said it was kind of redundant I know. uh so uh, so you get to the ironies room and
3: <laughs> door knocker on the door
0: yes, the door knocker where uh the center of the, where is it it says the uh the door the, what is was against the northern wall is a gate to hell, and beyond that are hideous looking lemur, lemurs reaching towards the gate uh Right. And the, where is it about the door knocker? The door will open, and the ironies will be standing in front of the northern wall, and they each have a rope of entanglement, which is pretty nasty. So they'll be alerted already if you use the door knocker in the wall.
1: Now, the rope, ropes will only entangle one person, though, so you can't get it. You're allowed to with a real rope of entanglement a whole lot of characters, Right. Right.
0: So, um, if you don't, uh, if the players open the door by magical means, like a knock spell, they all have the advantage of a surprise and they won't have the rope, their ropes of entanglement ready to use. So don't knock on the door with the door knocker, basically.
1: That's why you got the knock spell earlier. Yes.
3: Hmm. Then we got the Corridor of the Lost Strength, which is the 10 by 10 foot corridor, which the player characters will walk down. And it gets so hot, so hot, they pretty much start subtracting points off their strength due to the heat.
0: Yeah, they lose five points of strength.
3: Unless you're a magic user or a thief or somebody wearing light armor, then you would only remove
0: two points of strength. Right. Then you go into an Illusion Corridor. I thought that was pretty nasty, too.
3: Which changes back to it starts getting really cold in here, and you think, ah. Oh. So you regain the strength that you lost because you believe it's cold. <laughs> so you start disbelieving, and then you just kind of lose it all over again.
0: Yeah, if you if you think to disbelieve. Yeah. Then you get to a room where you could probably be get your butts kicked by some rather mundane creatures, namely zombies. <laughs> so if you don't have any indication of disbelieving the other room, there's a room of 12 zombies, and you're already reduced by your strength by five, so ow. Uh, <laughs> and these,
3: this room is all frozen, too, so the zombies are all frozen. But once mm-hmm. you open the door, the zombies begin to melt, I assume, because of the heat coming in.
0: Yeah, they're, they're encased in some ice, and the ice begins to melt. And in four rounds, they'll be able to move and kill you.
3: But if you leave, don't
1: forget to lock the door, because they're going to open the door and follow you. Yes. It just needed to be more zombies in it, I think.
0: Hey, I, I like zombies.
1: <laughs> I was thinking maybe 40 instead of 12.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> you got,
1: it's like, 12 dead. will be destroyed right away.
3: It's like Walking Dead, Rick walking into the room with all the zombies. I'll uh, close that door.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you go to the corridor of candles. There is a um,
3: sixteen giant centipedes in this room hiding.
0: Yes, with sixteen giant centipedes. So yeah, if you don't make your safe versus poison, goodbye.
1: Kiss your bye. Mm-hmm. And I then don't it think goes- the, the centipedes were. There were sixteen candles, I think, and you had a touch of candle to touch a candle. I'm not positive about that. To make this, you pick up a candle and then the centipede. The candle turns into a centipede. Yep, it turns into a that, giant centipede. That was just Strike with something to, to scare you because you're going to squash it right away. But
0: yeah, still, they get a
1: surprise, you, it, you know. They right, they get that. a surprise and they could poison you.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You get to this room where either if you don't have a key to get into this room, you're going to be facing a giant naga.
0: Oh, I know, the spirit naga. Oof.
3: Yeah, pretty, de- pretty deadly there. Unless the characters, if the characters did not use the key and use the lever, they would immediately awaken the spirit Naga hidden 12 feet below the circular room that they'll be walking through. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if they use the key, they're able to walk through there without a problem. So, yeah,
1: there's she- so There was something missing from this room. I, when we first got the module back, I wrote a note that says the magical fire needs to be returned to the encounter. I don't know what I can't remember what that actually was, but I think it might have been around the whole room, and you had to go around the edges. Okay. And he came out from the fire, but I'm not positive about that. Hmm.
0: So and I guess the spirit nog is acting kind of like a guardian?
3: Yeah, it looks like that.
0: Yeah, that's why I kind of gathered, too, because the next room you have. The skull room. The skull room. And there is, I like the description here. This is a massive 75 by 100 foot stone cavern. With a ceiling 65 feet high, 35 feet beyond the entrance is a 50 foot tall stone skull with green gem like eyes. A passage 5 feet wide leads up to the mouth of the skull. The passage to the skull uh, and the skull itself are surrounded by a blazing fire. Inside the mouth, are golden glow- a golden glow can be seen. Both the mouth and nostrils are large enough to enter. Intent. Hint. <laughs> Only the 16 lower teeth are intact. The left front tooth appearing to be solid gold. So, when you first enter this room, you see this whole majestic thing, and then you hear, coming from the skull, Arise, minions of Elad, for he return. his return is imminent. <coughs> and you're like, oh, great. <laughs> so, you have a few choices here. You can enter the mouth of this of the skull, and when you do enter them, uh, let's see, where does it say that? The the teeth appear normal in the mouth, except for the back two wisdom teeth, which are capped.
3: Oh, yeah, with the one has the blue liquid, which is pretty much a healing potion with yep. 32 ounces of liquid inside. But mm-hmm. so based on how many ounces you drink, that's how many hit points... If you drink the full amount, uh, it says you'll get all the hit points you lost back. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much, if another person drinks, you get half the hit points back, he gets half the hit points back, yada, yada. Split it to however many people want to dip their paw in there. Yeah. And in this one. Yeah. uh, The other wisdom tooth reveals a portable hole spread over the top of the uncapped portion. Inside is a small ebony box containing a leather helmet. Yes. Which is a helm of brilliance. And its command is "You lad, servant of Dispater." Additionally, the user is immediately turned lawful evil yet again. <laughs> yep. Rolls for System Shock, of course, if he's non lawful character. And Dispater becomes his god. Oh well.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. So you're cursed. Aha. Yeah. <laughs> so and so you have inside the mouth, you have that, and then you have uh, the eyes of the skull. <laughs> to the untrained eye, they look as huge emeralds, but to a dwarf or a gnome, there's a 75% chance seen that they are glass. If they are re- removed, and um, right. it must be done carefully. They can popped out. They weigh each about 250 pounds, but if they're popped out without precautions. There's an 80% chance that they fall into the fire surrounding the room, releasing a chlorine gas. <laughs> And you need to save versus poison, or you take three to twenty hit points of damage. Yikes! So I'm still, you know, I'm I'm picturing this this demon face. Did you guys kind of get the idea from the cover of the player's handbook in a way?
1: That's possible. That's what I was thinking when I read it. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> that's almost it,
0: like but... that 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 grinning demon face there in, mm-hmm. on on the player's handbook, okay. and almost somewhat reminiscent of that. Are so, they climbing on it too? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh boy, yeah, they are. Oh man, we stole it.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe subconsciously you stole that from that. It like, hey, It bull needed
1: subliminal. to be done.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's cool.
3: Then the players can go from there and start digging for gold. <laughs> In the
0: no- yeah. <laughs> One nostril digging for gold. Wah-wah.
3: I started laughing when I thought of the digging for gold. I'm like, oh, "Oh, ha ha ha. That was a good little hidden joke there if it was it- meant." <laughs> and they yes. find, they find the box in there. Yes, the golden
0: box in the left nostril.
3: Yes. Or they could find the big giant pearl in the other one. Yes. <laughs> Which maybe kind of, both ways made me laugh. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and that pearl though
3: Yes, is actually a little uh what do they
1: call it? Uh I'm trying to think of the word here. It's a pearl box.
3: Yes, yeah, so in, in tra-
0: box. Inside the box is an iron flask. <laughs> and guess who's inside there?
3: The gecko lizard.
0: Uh, close, a salamander. <laughs> who's not happy? He's not happy at all. Because
3: he got jammed in this little tiny box.
0: Yes. So it was named Granite the Salamander. Yeah, He's been trapped inside the iron flask for I don't know how long. You know, if he gets out, because he says the salamander didn't appreciate the captivity and will immediately attack anyone who opens the flask. Really? Okay.
3: Alpha <laughs> <You're looking laughs> SOB, too. Yeah. 42 hit points, a 7-hit dice creature. Wow. Two attacks, 2d12 points of damage, plus...
0: 2d12 for the body heat.
3: Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah, pretty nasty. Salamanders are nasty.
3: And he can only be hit by a plus 1... Or magic weapon or better?
0: Yep. These are very nasty creatures.
3: So then you get to leave from there <sighs> after you you find the gold box and you leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Yay! Hey. But there's but, one other place. There is. There's the Opalise Forest. The forest. Oh,
3: I thought you meant the, in this nostril or something.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Get out of the nostril because you're done digging for gold.
3: Yeah, because you find the four leaves and fifty seeds in there as well.
0: Yep, you find that. You finally find the leaves and seeds.
3: And then you go to that forest, and there's some random encounters in here that the players can go through. I think the most the most important one was was uh where was that the. The rainbow area with the rainbow leprechaun, which is a new type of leprechaun.
0: Yes. small no, stars globes. No.
3: i no, not that bad. <laughs> he doesn't give you cereal, Nick. Uh, okay. <laughs> and he pretty much tells the his little sob story to the players about what happened to the forest and how the people moved in and took over. And yeah. slowly, pretty much destroyed the forest and his little world is slowly fading away from him, and soon he'll become a regular leprechaun and be like every other leprechaun in the world, and he doesn't want to be like that anymore.
0: Right. It, this like this forest area, which is near the town, there was... if Let's see if I get... Remember, if I get this right, there was a... This was an enchanted forest the the god Sylvanus created, and it was a home for all the Sylvan creatures. A strong aura of good around the forest... Um, but when Elad came along, you know, he messed everything up and the aura of good started to fade. Mm-hmm. Evil man started to attack forest creatures, abducting, murdering them. Um, but in the early days, Sylvanas gave his creatures natural defenses, such as invisibility and passing in the trees. So he gave the Tinkers more powerful enchantments in order to deal with Elad's marauders. Uh, so, but there was a... Right before Elad died, uh, the, the Tinkers tried to clear the Forest of Evil, but there was only 25, 25 of them survived. So... Uh, there was the prophecy which was foretold that Elad's son would return to Shallotville. So he was the, the, in which he was the rightful heir. And if that would happen again, the forest would begin dying again. Mm-hmm. So Sylvanus had to figure out what he had to do. So what he did basically was move the forest to a new home, a new realm, by moving all the creatures of the enchanted forest to a, another, I guess, another plane or, or wherever. So he constructed a gate to a new world on the bark of a dying oak tree and told his creatures they could enter this safe new world. He said the gate was would close as soon as, as the tree died. Um but if the if the evil ruler didn't come back and there was a powerful good leader, the tree would regain life and grow and would grow. And the gate would open again, and the force would regain its good or and great magic so and there's another so that's kind of the background on this this kind of a this uh forest so right now they're kind of in this in between area. some of them are starting to leave the forest, and some of them haven't quite left yet maybe they're they're still kind of weighing things out, seeing how things are gonna go if uh Elad's son is going to return and actually take power or not, so and then they have like I, I guess i don 't know if it's a new tree a creature the abhorrence, or is that like basically the treeants
3: uh, those are, look for me they they kind of remind me of just Treants.
1: yeah that 's what I kind of thought
3: because they were yeah. animated trees I, right John is that?
1: yeah they they remind me of Treants, too i don 't know if if they're new or not or if we just call them arborants because enth is i think a uh, tolkien own thing, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember there was a whole controversy at the beginning of D&D because the Tolkien estate did try to sue them for certain names and one of them was the Ents. So they renamed them Tree Ents. Hmm. And they tried to get them for Hobbit. I think they even tried to get them for Orc, too. Oh, please. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's like like uh, Vince was saying, a few random encounters in here. But and you have the rainbow leprechaun. And he tells his story.
3: The most important one is obviously the gypsy woman.
0: Yeah, I like her. And uh,
3: well, opposite of the characters, and I guess if they're having some trouble. Like she can kind of give some hints and some clues of mm-hmm. their alignment of what thing the what would happen.
0: And and I like her the most because. She's a, a magic user druid, mm. so I'm like, yeah, that's a really cool combination.
3: And then I like the last, the very last two warm encounters, a warm breeze.
0: Yes, a warm breeze. <laughs> just a everything's w- fine. <laughs>
3: Start rolling dice. You encounter a warm breeze.
0: People <laughs> laugh, and then everybody goes, and then and then what? Yeah, no, just warm breeze. because <laughs> yeah. you got everybody paranoid.
3: The whole group at the edge of their chair waiting. Just a warm breeze, that's it. Why are you rolling? Don't worry about it. No, no, don't worry. And there's a whole wrap-up section of what the player characters might do or what they could do. Mm-hmm. And this is where they can go for the double cross, or they can decide to help either the queen or help the sun. It all depends on what they want to do. Or they can take the the clues that they found and figure out to smoke one ingest the bones of the king. Smoke mm-hmm. the, uh, the cigar tobacco and uh, become the good leaders of the town that needed to be born.
1: And save the forest. Save
3: the forest. Yep. Or they could uh, give it over to uh, Miner, who takes it and starts smoking it, and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Oh, well. And then the queen sees it and says, hmm, I probably shouldn't smoke this and hides it. Or does she that she hides it,
1: yeah, I think she hides, and actually keeps safekeeping somewhere,
3: yeah, that's pretty much the end of the adventure there. if he doesn't get the leaves back, obviously he'll just either probably run away and try to figure out another way to come back and take over. Does the queen actually do anything with him if you don't give if you give it directly to her, let's see. I don't remember
1: reading that. I don't think that's one of the the absence that was listed.
3: What would happen if the player characters decide to side with the queen and give her back? Would she have smoked it or would she have for keeping?
1: She was just going to keep it to, to make sure that, uh, yellow never came into power again. She didn't really want to, I don't know if she knew the secret. I can't remember now, but, but I think the idea was that she would just hide it in safekeeping.
3: And then we have the, the wrap-up and we have some uh, talk about the, the new monsters that were in the, uh, the module and you can get their statistics right there and then we have all our maps nicely done here for us.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's the end of the whole module.
4: It was actually a very, very fun module to play. It was, uh, we did a lot of role-playing with that and had different parties come in and try it out and it was always lots of fun to play this game.
3: So is there any more that should have made it into the module that you guys would have wanted to see that was taken out or something that maybe you started writing and scratched it out?
1: Other than the things I mentioned, I don't think there was anything that was left out. Is
4: There, anything there may, there is may have
1: you... been more to the the forest. Mm-hmm. It seemed like mm-hmm. it was a little small. But...
0: Is there anything maybe that you might want to have wanted done differently or
1: yeah i th- I think the some of the encounters are a little too tough, and some of them are a little too easy. I think they balance it out a little more okay and the maps are really difficult to read you
3: drew the map yourself okay. john or?
1: i I drew them up and then they they did what they do to them. I don't know
0: do they have their art stored up yeah I kinda like the maps.
1: Was this... Uh, oh, they just, they're just they just hard to read. It, yeah. Like, that trap door to the mind complex, it takes forever to find it out. And,
3: oh. Okay. Yeah, it did take me a few moments to figure that one out. But I figured it out, so...
1: Yeah, eventually, it, you'll figure it out, but it, it just... It's, it's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was this, uh, when you
3: handed this in to Mayfair, was this instantly, they're like, oh, this is amazing, we're going to print it, or we're going to go through one of those. Well, we'll think about it, try to improve it. Did you have any trouble getting it past them? Anything like that, or
1: well, they they said that well, this is the one we sent to TSR, and they, they completely panned it. Really? They, they said it wouldn't fit in, into any campaign milieu. We we have joked a lot about that because <laughs> I didn't even know what a milieu means, <laughs> and and so we we had to decide what to do, and we sent it to Mayfair, and Mayfair said pretty much the same thing that TSR said, but they said. We can work with this. We can there, there's something here, but it'll it'll take some work and so I don't really think it.
4: they changed much of it though, they, John. They
1: didn't change much of it at all, no.
4: So I think it was just kind of a little bit of maybe, you know, we haven't worked with you before, we have to look at it, we have to think about it. And then it just you know, we just worked with them and it went pretty smoothly after that. Mm.
0: Now I guess with TSR at the time, because you're talking eighty three, eighty four, they were still using World of Greyhawk. I guess was it they just they just didn't see it fitting in with that campaign setting if they were going to plunk it there.
1: Yeah, that's. A, they also said it, it seems like a parody, and we don't do parodies, and so they, you know, they just didn't think it fit. And that, if Greyhawk was what they were doing back then, yeah, that would probably be why. Okay.
3: Now, with the test groups that you guys played with, uh, how many sessions did it take to get through this? Was it one night, a couple hours?
0: Do you remember?
4: It was, a, I think it was a couple nights that lasted well into the morning, if oh, I'm right. Oh, wow. We rented a hotel room. For a while. It lasted all night. We did? Yeah. We rented a hotel room? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. And it lasted a long time. Dancing,
3: mini convention,
4: (laughs) and I just remember it was everybody was laughing. It was just one of the more fun modules to actually play.
0: And now that I was, yeah, I think now that we get some of the backstory, know that what's behind the names and what they're kind of based off of, and some of the other little in jokes, you know, I think that makes it, yeah, like you said, it's a fun module. It's a it's a bit lighthearted, but there are some serious points in it too, and uh, I think that's a pretty cool balance, you know. Because I, th- I think a lot of people they they want that in an adventure, you know. They want it, some people don't want it entirely serious, don't want it too off the wall, you know. A nice balance between the two. I think that makes a really fun fun game. I think this this kind of hits that.
1: Yeah, we made kind of made the town on the, to be the fun part, and then obviously the. The other locations get a little deadly uh,
0: uh, one of the questions i had like so as far as the location um and i know um mayfair had their Role aids lines of stuff was this tr- going to fit into maybe a campaign world that mayfair had or were you just coming up Was this somebody's campaign world amongst your gaming group? Uh, How did that kind of come about?
1: No, we just wrote it. We didn't didn't fit into anything. They really just
0: came up with some names and some places. Yeah,
1: I don't think we did campaigns that. That, and I, when we played, we usually pretty much pulled out a module and said we're playing this tonight, and figured out a way to get into it. And okay.
4: And once we were playing a couple, we'd been playing for a while, I was saying, we can write one of these. Let's, do, let's write our own. And this was our first um, module that we put together.
0: Cool. Okay.
3: Well, Looking at it, you can go on Amazon, find this module, and you can get uh, a used copy for around 10 bucks plus shipping. Or if you want to splurge for a new one, you pay a hefty $70 almost for the brand-new module.
1: Wow. Yeah, so it's more,
3: one of the more expensive ones for brand-new
1: for roll I think I saw one go for uh, $1.26 on eBay the other day. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I bid on it, and I forgot to get back to it because mine's all beat up.
3: <laughs> yeah, but yours is an original one. So Yeah,
1: mine, mine's an original with, with uh, designer notes in it.
4: Aha. Uh-huh. So so worth worth worth,
1: that must be worth $100. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: So yeah, it was it was actually a, a fun project.
0: I could tell. I could, I see you guys really put a put some definitely put some thought into this. Uh, put a little interesting little your own, I guess, almost your own personality into this into this uh, particular adventure.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of it's Lori's personality for the the city. She liked that the the funny stuff a whole lot, and I liked the loved evil stuff and i always like exploding ex- creatures exploding things well <laughs> my influences would have been for this would be probably caverns of thracia i just that's oh, my favorite okay. module of all time and
4: yeah
0: i was gonna say where were some of the influences that you maybe had into this besides you know like I said Ca- caverns of thracia any other ones you think that kind of influenced you into this
1: uh Definitely the caverns. I don't think any others influenced me. I don't. I don't know about Laurie and Don.
4: Which was the lizard module?
1: That Tomb that was of the caverns. lizard king. Oh, okay.
4: No, was that the caverns?
1: The caverns of Thracia had, had a lizard king or something like that in it too.
0: And I and know TSR a- had Tomb of the Lizard King.
1: Yeah, TSR Tomb of the Lizard King. I, we probably played that. You
4: mm-hmm. did, and. And that was those Blizzard Kings were all fun too. Okay. Cool. That's great. But great stuff. We just decided to make it our own. Once we were playing enough, we thought, "Oh, we can do this. We'll make it great." <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and next thing you know, hey, we're published. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we made a fortune too.
0: As <laughs> you're living in the lap of luxury now. Yeah,
1: this is split three ways. I don't, did we even get 500 a piece? I don't
4: know.
3: <laughs> As they're calling from their on their Skype machines from their Bel Air mansions. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that that TSR decided this was a meh for them, and I'm glad Aids decided uh, Mayfair decided to say, "Yeah, this looks cool for us." So I'm glad it got published. I could see. Playing this with many groups over a couple sessions, four hours a night, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't think this would go well with a convention. I think it's too long, but I think with your group, a couple sessions, uh, a couple Saturdays in a row, you get together, would work out pretty well. But you know.
0: Oh, I I definitely think so. I think this is something that um like I said, it's from from the time I think it's definitely it's definitely original. I Kind of going what mayfair was going at the time with their Aids line, I think they were looking for stuff for a d for a d and d that was kind of off the beaten path a bit, so this really fit the bill, so yeah I, I like it just for that simple fact that it was something it was something different from the time that it came out
3: let's uh let's hear from uh, Matt, who hasn't said much on the show today
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I apologize about that, but I still kind of feel like i been on like a two week bender between Gen Con and the uh, hellacious weekend I've had, but uh, I like the adventure as well. I mean, there's a little of everything. You have the town exploration, you get to crawl through caverns and the towers, and yeah, there's just a lot to it. And plus, when once I think we like you guys mentioned earlier, once you know the uh, foundation and the backstory of what led to this creation, it just makes it that much more interesting. I ha- in my home gaming group, I have a guy from Chicago in it. So he would probably really appreciate all the references in this. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely he- worth looking out, especially if you're from the Chicago area.
1: You can also take it apart and just use the forest to send in some evil car- um, players and waste all the good creatures in there to too. It's not, ju- <laughs> not just for good people.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, with all the uh, magic items in this, you may have a bunch of evil characters once you're done with the adventure. <laughs> <Avenger. laughs> so, yeah, the there's a few that will turn you evil. So, <laughs> Right, so that may happen over time, naturally, just by playing this.
4: Mm. We should and have I'm, had some to turn them lawful good. That would be pretty funny, too.
3: Yes. Oh, yeah. Bunch of old, lawful, evil people running around. Yeah.
0: And I don't think it would be too hard to... Uh, take something like this and if you have your own campaign of some sort or even one of the pre-published ones you can you can tweak this out a little bit with a, with some effort as a dm and plop it to your own game setting so oh, yeah
3: you can easily drop this into a-
0: sure Yeah, i wouldn't
3: see a problem at all
0: nope not at all okay cool
3: uh i guess we're gonna have to hit the road now because uh it's time to say goodbye. John, thank you for coming on the show. Laurel, Don, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks well, for having great.
0: us. it's been great. Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure having you folks on.
3: Again, and we'll probably hear from you again in the future as we review more things, and, and probably your names will pop up yet again, and we'll be like, hey, come on back.
4: Okay, <laughs> that would be
3: wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say this is Vince for Nick and Matt and the crew saying goodnight, and keep it original, keep it old school. Good night. everybody.
2: production of wild games productions in association with d20 radio.com you can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210 this podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only all other uses are prohibited and remember if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit you're playing the wrong edition thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on roll for initiative